My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. Today is week three of our series in Second Peter. Uh, so if you want to follow along uh, with the teacher notes, uh, which are not much more than what you have on your uh, handout today, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, uh, click on the Read tab, uh, and then uh, week three is the September 2nd date there. So we are in verses 12 through 15 today, uh, and since today is a small number of verses, and since the only people that go to Sunday school on Labor Day weekend actually really love Jesus, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to do a little bit different with the last verse uh, of your handout today. So if you open up your handout. You see our typical read section, our explain section, you know, literary structural observations, repeated words, repeated words. What do the words mean? And then you get to the bottom of page 10 and the top of page 11, and what do you see? Gaps. Like, what are these gaps that you speak of? All right, so, so today we're going to look behind the green curtain uh, to see how some of the sausage is made, and, uh, and this might... This might be something that is, is helpful a little bit today. So you will need your cell phones and or your tablets today, whichever you prefer to use. So go ahead and, and make sure those are ready when we get to that point in the lesson. Um, and you'll also notice that the application and personalization number three are blank because we're going to do those in class today. So you are going to help me teach some of this, which is nice. So we're going to start today like we always do. Uh, we'll start with Second uh, Peter 1.1 and read up through today's text. So we'll read the first 15 verses, uh, and then we'll jump into explaining the text. So First Peter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent 
just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Now, how many of you looking at verses 12 through 15 are wondering what in the world are we going to talk about in Sunday school today? Because it just seems like Peter is talking about dying. Anybody? He's talking about dying. Yes, he is. Now, when we introduced Second Peter, we talked a bit about where Second Peter was in the continuum of uh, Bible letters in the New Testament. And where did we, where did we find Second Peter? Toward the beginning, close to the Gospels, or closer to the end? Closer to the end, right? And this, this is one of the very blunt reasons why we believe it's closer to the end, because Peter says, I'm about to die, right? I think... I think I'm. I think I'm going to leave this tent soon. So, uh, so this is at the very end of his life. Um, we believe this is uh, very close to the time of his death, within a year or two of his death. Uh, so, these are some of the last things that he ever wrote to the church. So, let's look at a couple of questions here on your handout. So, are there any literary or structural observations? So, so we have moved past the introduction to the letter, and we have kind of moved into. Uh, the part of the letter where who's his audience here? Remember, remember, there's a lot of they's and them and themselves and theirs in this letter. There's 42 of those where Peter's talking about some other group. But who is he talking to here? Is it? I thought it was an easy question to start with, but maybe not. Christians, yes, his fellow Christians, right? So we are still in the. I'm talking to you. There are some things that I need to tell you. Um, and he is still fo- solely focused on believers. So let's back up just a second. Let's look at any repeated words in Second Peter. Um, your first blank there is the word will, W-I-L-L. So 21 times in the little letter to Second, that Second Peter writes, he says the word will. He's a very confident writer. This is uh, declaring a lot of truth that is going to happen. Um, and it actually shows up twice in our text today. And then the other word that I want you to see uh, is the word know, K-N-O-W, it shows up nine times, no or knowing or known or knows. Uh, and this shows up uh, a couple of times in today's text as well. But if you look at, if you look at uh, Peter's text today, the most common word that shows up is the word I. And he's getting very, very personal as he goes through the letter today. Um, this reason, I will not be ne- uh, negligent. I think, uh, as long as I am, um, I must. Uh, I will be careful. All of these very, very personal comments. Uh, and when you when you read a writer and the writer starts to get personal, many times this is these are the most uh, precious things that a writer has to communicate. And what is he trying to communicate? Well, three different times in this text, he talks about reminding. And that's your next blank is the word remind. So he says remind, reminder, and reminding. And they're, they're actually three different Greek words, uh, but they're very, very similar in meaning. All right, so let's dig into what the words mean themselves. So verse 12, so for this reason, I will not be negligent. So he's talking about the future, what he's about to do here. Uh, And this is to be careless. That's your blank, to be careless. So, So think about this for a second. I will not be careless to remind you always of these things. So in Peter's mind, he saw it as careless of not reminding these believers of what? Though you know and are established in the present truth. 
So he's telling them, I know that you know these things, but I would consider it careless if I didn't remind you of them. Which is kind of strange, right? Because do we typically spend a lot of time telling people things that they already know? Do we consider those really good communicators? Like, I'm going to tell you what you already know. Some people have that gift. So tell me more about that, darling. I feel like you might be thinking of someone in particular here. Because <laughs> you have that evil grin on your face, which implies to me that you might be thinking about someone in particular here. This sounds like a specific example. That is very fresh. (laughs) Nineteen and something was fresh, okay? (laughs) And all God's people said. Yeah, I was gonna say I I have no idea how to transition back to Second Peter from that. We're just we're just gonna we're just we're just gonna make a hard left, okay? <laughs> Dave, what you got? I hear all of I hear this kind of thing all the time in the elementary school. Teachers tell me over and over. Here we go. Great. This is what I thought the first response would be, given the number of teachers and educators in the room. Didn't know we were going to Heyman's driving school here, but that's that's apparently where we went to. Um <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, so let me give you the blanks for verse 12, and then we'll kind of come back and put this into a little bit more context. So for this reason, I will not be negligent or be careless to remind, or this is to remind quietly, to suggest uh, to you always, and this is all the time, ever of these things, though you know, the word here is perfect, uh, and it doesn't mean a perfect knowledge. This is the, uh, this is part of the verb understanding of this. A, a perfect tense is a tense where something has occurred in the past and the, the ramifications of it are continuing into the future. So what Peter is saying here is he's saying, I know you have learned this in the past and you still know it now. So this is not a word that says, I know you know it in the past and you've forgotten it now. This is still like the knowledge of this is fully working right now. So I won't be negligent, I won't be careless to remind you that these things always, that although you know and are established, uh, and this is to set fast, to be resolute, this is to be firm, uh, this is to be strengthened. Uh, and the idea here is that you, there's no wavering, there's no waffling. This is not somebody who uh, understood something in the past and now it's a corruption in the future, in the present. This is like you actually understand what's going on. In the present, and this is present participle, uh, which means repeatedly present. So you are repeatedly presently established in the truth, right? So don't turn your page yet. Don't turn your page yet. Hang on. This is one of the reasons I like having multiple pages on a handout, because I know where you are. (laughs) So think about this for a second. So he considers it careless to not remind these believers of things that they learned in the past 
and are firmly and repeatedly established in in the present. So what do we learn from this? I'm just going to pause here for just a second. So I would would propose a couple of things. One, uh, we are quite forgetful, and we are uh, quite dumb, and that even though we can know something and firmly understand it right now, we might not be using it the way that we should. Uh, And then three, it, it is good and right for us to hear things over and over and over again, because we cannot overdo the Scripture. This makes sense? So if we come to church and we look at the text that's going to be taught that day and we go, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Well, Peter thought it was careless not to go over things. So maybe this impacts the way that we listen. Maybe this impacts the way that we respond to teachings and sermons. So just just want us to be cautious of that because sometimes, and I've, I've got both hands in the air here, uh, have been guilty of, you look at a sermon outline and you go, I've heard this one before. Well, guess what? I need to hear it again. <laughs> and it'll be okay. It will be okay. So, all right, you can turn your page now. Verse 13, here we go. So he says, yes, I think, and this is the present uh, participles. This is repeatedly think, and this is to... Uh, it's really, it's an, it's an odd way to translate the word for think, uh, because this is to consider or to account for, uh, to rule over. So I have considered this repeatedly, and it is right. Now this word right, if you were with us when we studied Romans, this is the word that Paul just, one of the words Paul wore out in Romans. This is the word for just. Uh, it's your blank, just. Uh, do you remember Romans one seventeen? Anybody remember what Romans one seventeen is? For the just shall live by faith. This is, this is that Greek word. So I have repeatedly considered that it is just. What is just? Well, what he's about to say. As long as I am, present tense right now, in this tent. Uh, and the word for tent here is, is, is literally means tent. But figuratively, it means uh, the body. And this is your blank here, the body. Uh, many times in the New Testament, this is referring back to either the temple or the tabernacle. Uh, in the Old Testament, but uh, he's obviously not in the temple or the tabernacle here. Uh, this is the, the physical body. As long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up. So, um, Matt, I'm I'm going to touch you now, okay? All right. So this is, I'm going to stir you up. Now, are you a heavy sleeper? Yeah. Okay. It, ha- <laughs> yes, he is. There we go. Uh, have you ever had to nudge him to wake him up? Okay, perfect. This works out really well then. Great. I just knew I was going to address somebody and they were like, oh, I'll wake up at the drop of a hat. Well, no. But this is like, I have to, like, I need to wake you, like, get some coffee and, like, don't waste coffee. That would be somebody's response here. But, like, stir him up vigorously. This is not a very passive word. This is a very active word. Uh, To stir you up, to wake you up, to arouse so if somebody needs to be woken up, what does it imply? They were asleep. Right. So is it possible for us to know something, to be fully ingrained in it, to be fully entrenched in it, to fully understand it, and yet to kind of be passive about it? Yeah, it is. Right. So, so I have repeatedly thought this over, that it is just 
this is good, this is righteous, as long as I'm in this body, to wake you up by reminding, this is a remembrance, a recollection, you knowing that shortly, swiftly, I must put off, and the, the blank here is a laying aside, which I really like this word. I must put off my tent. I'm going to lay this aside, which is an interesting way to think about your body, right? Because the great thing, the great thing, and I am coming to enjoy this concept more and more as I get older, the great thing is that uh, we are going to lay aside our bodies one day. Micah, you, you may not have much uh, regret about this at this point, but at some point, your body will begin to break down. Like, what's that? I missed a blank? What did I miss? Wake? To wake fully? I think you might have missed, I think you might have missed a blank, Micah. <laughs> I should have shaken you, buddy. That's okay. But we're going to lay aside this tent one day. And, and Peter, I, 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 it's hard for me to understand what his mood is here. I'm not talking about the Greek verb. I'm talking about his emotional sense. Uh, that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. And the word for showed here is to make plain by words. So Jesus spoke about death quite a bit and what would happen afterwards. Now, I'm going to do something that I literally have never done in all the years that I have taught Sunday school, which is a long time. I started teaching Sunday school when I was 16 and have taught Sunday school for the better part of um, 20 of those years and the difference. Uh, pull out your phones. All right, how many of you know Alan Iverson? You know Alan Iverson? We talking about practice, all right? Here we go. There's going to be three of you that get that, and that's completely fine. There we go. Uh, so one of the things that I want to make sure is that uh, those of you that listen to the lessons in this class understand how this piece, these pieces of paper come to be, because it is not just magical, I do not sit in my uh, couch, sit on my couch and go, I bet that word means this, and type out a definition. I bet this word means this, and type out a definition. That is not how this works. There are resources that we go to that are helpful for us. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to practice one of them. And this is the website address that I want you to go to. All right, blb.org. That's where I want you to go. Pull up your web browser. Go to blb.org. All right, everybody there? Look at there. This is my phone. All right, and, and Chris Arnold is not here today to send me wacky text messages, so this works out really well. Because so. <laughs> every once in a while, he sends me something, and it's like, oh, my. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. So uh, here's what I want you to do. So what, what book of the Bible are we in? Second Peter. So you see the text box up there? So type in Second Peter uh, 1. You can click the go button. Oh, it doesn't matter. Your version doesn't matter. Your version absolutely does not matter. Because we're not worried about the English. 
<laughs> Justin's like, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> You're making me nervous here, man. <laughs> All right. So what, what verse? Everybody see Second Peter 1.1 1, 1 right there? All right. So here's what I want you to do. What verse are we on right now? 15. Let's scroll down to 15. Everybody get to where you can see 15. This is like the, the curtain is being pulled back. All right. You see the tools button? I want you to click on the tools button. And it, what's going to happen is your world is going to forever change. <laughs> Julie's like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Those are pretty letters. All right. So I've just scrolled down just a little bit. So here's what we've got. You've got the English words. You've got the Strong's numbers. So Strong's numbers are the reference point for the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a different set of numbers. Oh, wow. Now you can all see it. All right. So the Strong's numbers, uh, so I, I kid you not, there are more mathematical people in the universe than me. Uh, and uh, Dr. Strong, many, 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 many years ago, went through and put all the New Testament Greek words in alphabetical order. And he started off with the letter A, and that was number basically one. And then went all the way through, I don't know what the last one would be, Zoe would be close to the end, that's life. And it's like number 5,000 and something. And so what he's done is he's enabled us to know exactly what word we're talking about so that we can then, a hundred or so years later, put all this into a computer system, and you can click a button and the computer system will tell you where this word occurs in all of the New Testament, which is like spooky crazy. So look at your handout real quick. So your handout says, moreover, I will be careful. This is, I will be diligent. I will be earnest to ensure. So that's the word we're going to look for. So where is the word ensure? So you see, moreover, so I'm going to, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease, to have all these things always in remembrance. So which one of these words do you think is ensure? It's going to be able, right? Because the, the careful is the endeavor, and the ensure is the able. This is the tricky part about the English translation. So here's what I want you to do. You see this word able? You see the G2192? I want you to click on the G2192. And we scroll down. Now, what's the Greek word? Echo. All right. So we're going to scroll down a little bit. This is a verb. Here's the outline of the biblical usage, all kinds of stuff. And this is where I want you to get to, the Strong's definition. So it's about halfway down the page. Maybe not halfway, maybe a, a little bit down the page. All right, does everybody see this? This is what I take and move onto the handout so that you see what the definition is. So let's look at the definition real quick. So it says it's uh, to hold in various applications, literally or figuratively, direct or remote, such as possession, ability, continuity, re relation, or condition, uh, to be able, to accompany, to begin, to amend, uh, to can, to count, uh, diseased, to eat, enjoy, fear, following, have, hold, keep, lack. Do you see how broad the range of definitions is for this word? It's really, really broad. Okay. Amy's like, oh my goodness, what in the world are we doing here? All right, so you ready? I'm going to scroll up. You like that? This is the functionality on this. Hey, hey, Dave, you didn't see it. I'm going to scroll up. 
it's really impressive that you managed to get this on this really low-tech board. So, so let's keep going. And down here, <laughs> that's just too much fun, i got to say. <laughs> Scott Humpston will be here this weekend, but you saw it first here, okay? So there's that. <laughs> All right, so let's look at this word. So this word occurs 724 times in 628 verses. Does that sound like a lot? Yes, that is a really common word in the New Testament. Somebody clicked on the, how do you pronounce it? No, keep, do it again. Do it again. Yes, please do. Do you know what you clicked on? <laughs> so if you're up at the top and you click on the little sound. There it is. Echo. Echo. Sorry, i got to step back when I say it. Echo. Strong's G, 2192. Echo. Echo. There you go. That's how you say it. So when you hear me say a Greek word up here, I do not know how to read and pronounce every word in my Greek New Testament. That is not how this works. I click on the link, and I listen to it about a hundred times, and then I try to say it. And sometimes, if it's a really complicated word, I'll record myself and play back myself to see how redneck does that sound? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Uh, but this is the idea. All right, so what are we going to put there for the word ensure? Scroll down to your definitions, grab a couple of those, write them on your handout. And if this feels awkward to you, welcome to Bible study. Like, this is literally what it is. Looking at words, their meanings, their definitions, and comparing how that is used across the Scripture. Like, this is what it is. So, Dave? The year after I graduated from seminary, they transitioned <laughs> my degree program to Bible Yep. Yep. This makes all of that r relatively obsolete for 98% of all people. Yeah. So we were able to, you know, we could get everything that a lot of scholars needs out of the out of the text through tools like Montessori. All right. So I. There you go. All right, so I just clicked the back button. Now, did you notice, so I'm back at the, the screen before. Do you see the word parse out here? And you click on the parse. And what you'll see is this is where we see the present active infinitive. This is where we get the, the tense, the voice, and the mood. And this particular set occurs 647 times in the New Testament. So this is a very common thing as well. So I just want to, I just want to, potentially increase your respect level for anybody who studied the Bible before these tools were created that had to know their Greek New Testament well enough that they said, oh, I've seen that word before. I know where that word is. And there was no computer system to, to document those things. So when I read Luther's commentary on Galatians, and he makes a bajillion references to these words all across the New Testament, 
I have to gently remind myself he did it without a computer. He did it because he had it memorized. You're just like, oh my, it's incredible. So, so I am. I try to be extremely gracious with uh, those that, and the word parse is not going to go away now. So, all right, that's fine. Uh, so we've got uh, a couple of others here. Uh, I want you to click on the word. Uh, go to the very bottom of the page there where it says, in remembrance. You see in remembrance, the bottom of that verse? Click on the 3420 there. Now, if you look at the Greek word, what does this kind of, sort of, maybe-ish look like in English? <laughs> Meme, right? Which we feel is probably not correct, right? <laughs> uh, but I heard somebody over here, memory or memnonic, right? A memnonic device, right? So this is going to have something to do with memory. So if I scroll down and look at the definition, it does in fact mean memory, right? It means to a remembrance. So some of the words are very, very small. <laughs> I almost reached up to the screen to move it. <laughs> So I thought about I thought about videotaping this morning's lesson because so much of it's going to be on the screen, and that would have been a priceless moment to have me going, "What's wrong?" What's <laughs> all right? So if you look at now, we're going to scroll down here. How many times is this word used in the New Testament? Once. It's only which means where here, <laughs> right? So this is the only time this word is used anywhere in the New Testament. So. When we see things like this is the only time it is used, we want to tread very gently as far as our confidence level in how this word should be used in the entire Bible because it's only used once, right? I only have one example of this. The other word, we have hundreds of examples of this. So the, the definition tends to get much broader, but when it's used, used once, it's generally very, very small. What we, what we want to do when it's only used once is we want to look at other works that were written about this same time that are not in the Bible to see how it was used in non-biblical works if we wanted to get an expanded definition of this. So that would be your other option. Uh, good luck with that. I won't be covering that ever. Uh, that's really, really hard. So you've got a couple here on your handout then. So the word for ensure, the word for always, the word for reminder, uh, and then the word for decease. So I will let you guys kind of go with that. So let's look at our application and personalization. So that's part of your homework this week, just to fill in the rest of your handout. Boom. <laughs> so now, I probably should have warned you, Justin, that w whenever we look and see how sausage is actually made, there are very few people who enjoy the sausage-making process, right? Um, so what I do every week is I click on all the numbers. And I do a lot of typing and a lot of copying and pasting and a lot of, well, this is here and this is here and this is here. And what that does is it gives me time to think through the relationship between these words, which is why I can stand up and talk about them at, with some degree of confidence because I've spent some time with this. It's not just a two-minute exercise. Uh, so let's look at a couple applications and personalizations. All right, so application number one, uh, I would say that repetition is good for believers. To hear the truth uh, presented multiple times is good for believers, for those sitting in the pews. Right? So what do we do with that? Well, you know, maybe 
maybe we should listen. Feels like that's a safe bet. Right? Would you say, Jay? Yes, right? It feels pretty confident that we should listen to the Bible being taught. Okay, good. I feel like I'm on safe theological ground with this one. So, all right. Uh, application number two uh, repetition is good for church leaders. And I can promise you it does not always feel like that. Um, to state truth over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, we are going to plow some very similar ground in Second Peter as we did in Jude. We're going to look at some very similar words. And you know what? I'm going to tell you the same truths because that's the text. And it is good for me too because I am also a church member. And it is good to be reminded of the truth. So uh, what do we do with that? Well, I would say that we should encourage uh, our teachers uh, because the teachers and our pastors need encouragement when repeating doctrine to us. Because if you have ever thought when you heard a sermon that you might have heard before that it was old to you, uh, I would just give us a word of caution that there was a reason that our pastors thought that we needed to hear it again. Right? And that's the one that stings because I've been sitting in these pews for a long time and uh, I can promise you there are portions of the Scripture that I need to have uh, repeated over and over and over and over again. And then I left number three blank. Uh, so what do we learn? What's a, what's a truth from verse 15? Moreover, I'll be careful to ensure, so this to hold, that you always have a reminder, a memory of these things after my decease. So what could be a, a truth here? So I'm still drinking water. I'm going to die. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, I think that's great. What's the point? Um, death is coming. <laughs> right? Unless the rapture occurs, and that'd be awesome. I'm great for plan B. <laughs> that's the only plan B that I like. Um, <clears throat> and then, what do we do with that? Uh, so perhaps... Uh, leave a legacy of truth? Maybe. If I know death is coming, I, I want to I make sure. Um, we sent Anna Grace off to college a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and that was weird and cool and fun and scary and sad and all kinds of emotions all at once. Uh, but it, it reminded me that at some point, it's just going to be me and Julie in the house. And... Uh, the reality is that, you know, if the Lord doesn't come back, Julie and I are going to die one day, and all Caleb and Anna Grace are going to have her memories. And I, I would love for biblical truth to be part of what they remember. That would be nice. Um, I would love for one day, when somebody else is teaching this class, uh, for there to be a legacy of biblical truth was proclaimed here. Um, so, yeah, that. Let's go with that. And if you're wondering, that's how the applications and personalizations roll around, is that we just think about them for a while, and then we write them down. So there's that. All right, so next week is uh, the trustworthy prophetic word. 
So we're going to get hardcore into how awesome the Bible is. We're going to talk about prophecy. We're going to talk about uh, interpretation of the Bible. I'm going to tell you uh, why we do this structure that we do and why I think it is Bible-based, uh, because it's based on Second uh, Peter 1.20 and Nehemiah 8.8 and all sorts of other good things. Uh, and then you've got your homework down there at the bottom. Uh, there's an error in that because it should be Second Peter 1, 16 through 21. So go ahead and make that edit on your handout, if you would, on the, on the bottom of the back of the last page. It should be Second Peter 1, 16 through 21. I want you to read multiple times. Uh, and then that's the lesson for today. So thank you for coming. Uh, and we have our prayer requests on the table. So uh, give these a read through. Uh, pray over these, please. And uh, if you have anything new to add, you can do so on the left-hand side. Um, and then if you uh, miss any here or want to add any during the week... Oh, I'm sorry. There we go. Uh, so if you want to get uh, an email once a week, m mostly on Sundays, <laughs> uh, of the resources that we shared in class, then you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and click the subscribe button. Uh, but otherwise, uh, let's pray as a table, and after you have prayed, you are dismissed to go and to hear a sermon that you might have heard before, and that is okay. And I have no idea if today is a repeat or if today is a brand new, so it will be all right. So thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.